Here's a great book, Winning Ugly, by Brad Gilbert and Steve Jameson. This book, Winning Ugly, has helped me in the past when I go to tournaments or just a round robin uh, tennis uh, like K-Swiss or Ultimate. Uh, sometimes I listen to it first or read a chapter. It just helps me get focused. So here's my favorite uh, chapter from Winning Ugly. Chapter 9. It's about who serves first. Try my nerve busters. They work. Ready for the contest. Now you're ready to begin. You're ready to take advantage of your opponent immediately when the match gets going. You're ready to jump off to a dominating start. Maybe up a break, with good rhythm, good concentration, a focus on your game plan and confidence. Now, let the games begin. Next, a smart start to your match. Six, start smart, grabbing the early lead. Mental preparation, tools of the trade, stretching for success, winning the warm-up. Everything you've heard in those chapters so far gives you the foundation for the best possible opening to the match, and one that carries forward into the competition. You'll start strong, physically and mentally primed, to find a quick break and a pattern that can give you a substantial edge for winning the first set. You are creating positive momentum for yourself. I know that if I get off to a good start early in the match, it improves my chances for winning the first set. Let me show you why statistically this is so important to me, and why it can give you a real advantage. According to the ATP, Association of Tennis Professionals, a top 20 player who wins the first set will go on to win the match 89.6% of the time. At the US Open when Jimmy Connors has won the first set, he has won the match 88 out of 90 times. Winning the first set then carries significant weight, and getting off to a strong early start significantly boosts my chances of winning the first set. That's why I'm so conscientious about preparing for the beginning of a match. It's why you should do the same. Hit the deck running. The next step is the point of transition from the pre-match preparation into the heart of the contest. I consider the first two games to be included in this transition. I use this period to gain an edge that may be ignored by the other player. I'm looking for those moments in a match where my opponent is probably asleep at the wheel or doesn't understand and exploit the dynamics of the situation. At the top level of tennis, this doesn't happen often, but as you go through the ranks, more and more opportunities are overlooked. The difference between a top 10 player and a player trying to break into the top 25 isn't tennis strokes. It's tennis smarts, the mental part of the game. I found that out in my own journey from the tennis wilderness into the top 10. For recreational tennis players, it's the same. Lots of opportunities get ignored because a player's mental game is weak. The transitional period presents opportunity. Several different elements are present for the first and only time, and they can be an asset or a liability depending on how you approach them. Very likely, your opponent doesn't recognize them. And if they do, they aren't sure how to capitalize on them. Before you're caught up in the heat of the battle, you've got this in-between period where it's valuable to know what to do to gain advantage. How to get the best possible start. Never serve first. Start your match like Yvonne Lendl. Play the first two games correctly. 
Utilize the first pit stop. Never serve first. Here's a bet you can win 90% of the time with your tennis friends. What choice does the player who wins the spin of the racket or toss have? Most of the time, they will say the answer is to serve, receive, or select which side to begin the match on. Wrong. There is one other option. It is to give the first choice to the other player. Knowing all of this and how to use it can be important. Most club or public court players like to win the spin of the racket so they can elect to serve first. I believe that you should almost always choose to receive serve first. But it's a big thing for most players serving first. When your opponent spins the racket and informs you that your choice of up or down is wrong, have you ever caught yourself wondering if they maybe already have hooked you so they can serve first? That's okay. Let them. Don't argue with a player who wants to serve first. In fact, you can help them do it by electing to receive serve when you win the spin. They may think they get an advantage by serving first, but in most cases they don't. In fact, they get a disadvantage. At the pro level in men's tennis, it's generally better to serve first in a match. With some exceptions, that isn't the case in recreational tennis. Here's why. Six reasons you shouldn't serve first. One, the first serve is no big threat. You've heard the expression, first one to hold serve wins. At times, it's almost true at the club level. How big a weapon is your opponent's serve? Or yours? The perceived advantage of serving first may apply in men's professional tennis, but it really doesn't anywhere else. Incidentally, if you have a great serve, congratulations. But you're the exception. Find out for yourself. Keep track of your service holds over several matches. Here are some of the pros' averages for holding serve. Edberg, 85.2. Stitch, 87.2. Courier, 84.5. Agassi, 80.2. Becker, 48.4. Me, 77.9. How do you match up? 2. The serve is weakest earliest. Okay, very likely the typical club player's serve isn't much of a weapon under the best of circumstances. It's even less threatening when a player isn't warmed up, isn't into the match, isn't relaxed, and isn't really comfortable with their serve, which exactly describes the conditions of your opponent serving first in the match. It's amazing anybody ever wins their first serve to open the match. At the pro level, there's a very careful approach to the serve. You'll see in their warm-up just prior to the match that the serve may get the most attention of all. In most cases, it must be working and working well to win, so they make sure it gets a lot of attention before play starts. Even then, a pro isn't serving at his or her strongest early in the match, and obviously, neither are you or your opponent. A mediocre serve that can't overcome all the early handicaps becomes useless, even a liability. 3. You get more warm-up time. The serve is a complex physical movement. It is one shot where you can't just stick your racket out in front of you and block the ball back over the net. But one thing is certain. The serve is easier if you're warmed up. Letting your opponent serve first and relatively unwarmed up gives you additional time to loosen up, to relax into the match, to hit more balls, and to get ready to serve up to your potential. You're stealing just a bit of real match play time to settle down. This will be an asset when you step up to the line to serve that second game of the match. 4. 
the psychological effect. Think about how you'd react if your adversary on the court chose to let you serve first. What goes through your mind? Hey, you don't think I can serve? <laughs> I'll show you what I can do. That, or something like it, is a natural reaction. It's also a dumb reaction. Trying to serve harder is a big mistake. It's a formula for faulting. That's why you want to give your opponent the chance to psych themselves out by having them serve first. 5. Losing the first game isn't losing. One of the easiest times to break serve is on your opponent's first serve of the match, especially if it's the first game of the match. However, if they hold, you haven't lost a thing. They've simply done what they're supposed to do, namely, hold serve. Technically, the match is on serve even though you haven't served a single tennis ball. Tactically, if your opponent holds in that first service game of the match, it does the least damage. 6. The quick early break can be very important. My whole approach to winning is based on grabbing small opportunities as I go along, getting them, holding them, and looking for more of them. Each one separately may not seem very significant, but taken together, they give you a substantially bigger chance of victory. That's why this first game of the match can be important. Most players begin a match with a general feeling that if they lose serve, it's no big deal. It was how I approached it when I played college tennis. Plenty of time to get it back later. Maybe, maybe not. What you do know is that by grabbing a quick service break, you have given yourself a real advantage. One of the goals of pre-match focusing, the stretching, the planned warm-up, and electing to receive first is to get this advantage. If you are successful, and you should be 25-35% to 35 of the time, you will have given yourself a better chance of winning the match before you even serve. You've put yourself in a strong position for what follows. You may have a break in hand. You may have forced your opponent to get aggressive too soon, trying to break back immediately. This may help you to hold your own first serve as they force shots and commit errors. If you get lucky, they may even press a little harder on their second service game of the match and give you some easy opportunities to break for a second time. This is your ideal scenario, and it does happen. Think about where this can put you. Up three games to none with two breaks. This is a huge advantage and puts you in a position where anybody betting 10 cents on the match would bet on you. You should win the match. You may not, but the odds really go in your favor. A player up two breaks in the first set should win that set. A player who wins the first set is the odds-on favorite to win the second set. And unless you're playing a best of five sets, that's all you need to win. This is your goal. You're thinking, that's no goal, that's a fantasy. Not really. It's not a simple goal, of course, but it's what you're trying to accomplish. You want to get out of the gate fast. You want to stuff your opponent as early and as hard as you can. Get them on the run. A good player on a good day might get out of your grasp. Most of them won't if you continue to exploit opportunities and avoid the temptation to get mentally lazy about paying attention to the outer game. Instead of starting the match with the idea that you'll work your way into it, begin with the goal of working your opponent out of it. I use the strategy of letting my opponent serve first about 15% of the time in my own matches. The reason for not doing it more often is obvious. The pros do warm up properly. And the pros do have a weapon with their serve, usually. However, there are exceptions even at the top levels of competition. 
I've never been concerned about letting Michael Chang or Jimmy Connors serve first. You'll notice that Chang and Connors rarely choose to serve first when they have the option, for the reasons I've just outlined. I've also let McEnroe and Lendl serve first occasionally just to throw them a little curve right at the start of the match. How about letting someone like Boris Becker, with his huge serve, serve first? The potential advantage I gain when I use it is the same as the one for you. As big as a serve is, it isn't at its best in the first games. And occasionally Becker's serve acts up on him early in a match, so my choice can even be effective against him. One other option I use, but only rarely, when I win the toss is to hand over the choice to my opponent. It's a little psychological ploy I use when things are still a little edgy at the beginning of a match. By giving up the decision to choose whether to serve or receive, I may throw the opponent just slightly off balance. I'm basically saying, your serve isn't a threat, take your pick. If they elect to serve first, that's what I want anyway. If they elect to have me serve first, they're admitting they also aren't too sure about their serve, so it can backfire if I want to receive first. But usually they'll choose to serve. The exceptions to the rule. Here's when you shouldn't let your opponent serve first. Obviously, if you play someone whose serve is really big and works as a weapon right from the beginning, don't let them start using it against you immediately. Depending on your level of play and the opponent on a particular day, this could be the case, but it won't happen often. 1. The wind and the sun. The other situation occurs when you're playing outside and the sun factors in. If it's in the eyes of the server at one end, you want to correctly exercise your option when you win the spin of the racket. As you know, you can choose to serve or receive, or to select which end of the court you start at. The choice determining which end of the court you start at is the most important one when the sun is a problem. Select the end that puts the sun at your back for the first game. If the elements are a factor, never hand over the choice to your opponent. Your opponent, if they're paying attention, will then elect to have you serve first so they don't have to serve into the sun immediately. That's okay, because you have then forced them to play the first game facing the sun. Throw them a few lobs in that first game, and let them stare into the sun while they're trying to hit an overhead in this earliest part of the match. You may also get lucky. Once you've chosen to keep the sun at your back, your opponent might still elect to serve first into the sun. If that happens, you can be reasonably sure the player is brain dead. Wind can also be a factor outdoors. I played a match against Mark Edmondson in Las Vegas in winds that were gusting up to 50 miles per hour. At one point, I ran over to hit a backhand and the wind suddenly gusted and blew the ball around to my forehand side. Later, I hit a lob that went off my rim and sailed out over the side fence. The wind actually blew it back over the fence and onto Mark's court for a winner. I eventually lost the match, but not before I got a pretty good case of windburn. If the sun isn't a factor, a cloudy day, a night match, wind becomes the first consideration. If it's blowing baseline to baseline, I choose to start the match with the wind in my face. There's more room for error because the wind will knock your ball down and keep it from going long. Typically, the opponent won't be as concerned about the wind as about the sun. They usually elect to serve first. This means that in the first game, you've got them serving with the wind at their back. Tougher to get the ball in the service court in that circumstance. Your advantage. So as a general rule, I like to start with the sun at my back and the wind in my face if I have the options. You should do the same. If it means you have to serve first, that's okay. 
you still gain the advantage. 2. Start your match like Yvonne Lendl. Yvonne Lendl is one of the most powerful sluggers ever to play tennis. When he really rips it, you can almost hear the ball say, ouch. He pulverizes it. But here's what you don't know. He never starts at full throttle. Yvonne understands the importance of working his way up to maximum speed and power. He knows you're never there in the first few games of the match. Nerves, the crowd, new conditions, and other factors almost always make it impossible to really let it out right away. Yvonne doesn't. He keeps his game very much under control initially. During the first three of four games, he's hitting at about 65 to 75 percent of his full power. He very consciously resists the urge to really smack it. He wants to work his way into a good rhythm. He understands the correct method is to start below it and work up to it. It's very hard to bring yourself down to your best pace if you start hitting too hard right away. You can spend the rest of the match looking for your rhythm. Yvonne never makes that mistake. And that goes for his serve, too. By trying to slug the ball before your body and mind are really acclimated to the match, you can take your service down for the whole day. The serve is complex. Even Lendl doesn't go for it too early. When I played him for the first time at Hartford in 82, I couldn't believe the great Lendl was hitting such manageable shots. I was thinking, geez, they looked a lot heavier when I watched him play other guys. This went on for about four games. In the fifth game, he cranked it up. Suddenly a serve went by me that I didn't even see. I was hitting everything late. He started swinging me wide left and right. I couldn't get in position for anything. He was rolling, and he was rolling right over me, 6-2, 6-2. He had worked his way up to maximum speed and power and used it when it was there, not before. Lendl's approach is the correct one. Start below your maximum pace and rhythm in your first few games. Don't try to cream those early shots. Let yourself build into a solid, comfortable power rhythm. It'll happen if you let yourself resist the temptation to hit hard and win quick. 3. Play the first two games correctly. The first two games of the match can set the temperature for what follows. The mental and physical attitude established here is valuable because it can start you on a course that makes winning a lot easier. You and the opponent serve and receive serve for the first time. You are both getting your sea legs and working yourself up to attack speed. There are a number of considerations I bring to these first games that incorporate Lendl's approach and add to it. No unforced errors. Remember during the first two games that you're not as loose as you'll be later. Even if you warm up correctly, you still aren't really set to let it all hang out. So no unforced errors. Don't be afraid to swing at the ball, but don't try to impress the other player. Just make some balls. The pattern you want to set in place is one of consistency, of success in getting the ball back over the net and into the opposite court. Serve sensibly. When you're serving for the first time, it's very easy to fault. Remember to avoid the temptation to try and hit big. This is the point in the match where careless flubs are made. Don't put yourself in a position where the other player wins an early game just by standing there. Don't give them freebies. Your goals should be modest. 1. Get the ball in. 2. Get it to their weaker side. A lot of players are lackadaisical on their first service game. They don't seem to care. If you let your opponent break you right out of the chute, you've jacked them up. 
You've adrenalized them. You've given them the opportunity to pressure you. And pressure generally hurts your game. So be smart. Get the ball in. Keep the ball in play early on. Eliminate errors. Don't relax. Players who serve first and hold, or receive first and break, almost always let down in the next game. There's a sense of, whew, I got through that. Now I can relax for a second. Bang, the other player wins at love. Don't let them off so easily. Remember, if you serve first and hold, a subsequent break is longer. By that I mean if you break them in that second game and then hold your own serve, you're up 3-0. Psychologically, that seems a lot heavier than it is. It's still just one break, but it's three games difference. It feels worse to your opponent, and that means it is worse. If you receive first and break, which is what you should try and accomplish, don't get careless on your serve in that second game. The tendency is to get feeling a little too good a little too soon. Don't go for aces. And depending on the level of your game, don't be too ambitious. You'll be surprised at what happens in your first service game if you just get your first serve in. Test them early. Also, I like to work my way to the net if I can early in these first few games. Don't force it, but if the opportunity arises, take it. I look to do it when I'm up 40 love and can spare a point. The other player is a little tight. They haven't made any shots and they may jerk one that gives you the freebie. 4. Utilize the first pit stop. I get asked why the pros take a rest after the first game. Why not just change ends without sitting down for a break? Good question. Because in your entire life, I'll bet you've never seen a tour player skip the opportunity to sit down after playing that first game. It can't be fatigue, can it? Answer. It's not to rest. It's to think. Changeovers are where you get yourself together mentally and emotionally. The first changeover has added value because it gives you an opportunity to check your bearings before anything too drastic has happened. I use it as an opportunity to establish again in my mind what it is I'm trying to do. I review my game plan. I take my sip of water, wipe off the sweat, settle down, but mainly I think. I review my strategy. What am I trying to make happen? What do I want to prevent from happening? On subsequent changeovers, I want to review anything that might have occurred that surprised me. Has my opponent hurt me with anything? I give myself a little pep talk. Stick to your game plan. Don't get over eager. Be patient. Remember to get that first serve in and the backhand. The first pit stop is very important because the beginning of a match is a disruptive period. A lot of things are happening and a lot of adjustments are being made. It's easy to lose your focus, your plan your attitude. The first changeover is unique in that essentially you're still looking ahead. There is no strong pattern emerging in the game yet. You aren't looking at what went wrong or right. You are still in the process of trying to force your game plan on the other player. I realize tennis is a social event and that changeovers are where a lot of the socializing usually goes on at tennis courts. It's a chance to catch up on the latest news and gossip or to talk about the match itself. You probably aren't prepared to put a towel over your head and start meditating. But a player dedicated to winning is willing to delay the small talk until after the match. You are still trying to steal that early lead. If you broke serve, you want to hold. If you held or lost serve, you want to break. 
that initial changeover gives you a chance to approach the job calmly with your plan clearly in mind. Get my first serve in. Don't get fancy. Make him play. I think of the changeover as my isolation booth. I want to use what I'm learning in the match to my advantage. A smart tennis player is accumulating information as play goes on. And they're using that information to their advantage. The changeover is where you have an uninterrupted time to review and plan. Watch the pros when you see a match on television. They're not sitting there looking off into the crowd or talking to the ball boys. There is heavy concentration going on. That's why the towel goes over the head occasionally. They want to really stop and think about what's going on. Don't waste that opportunity in your own matches. Play tennis like you do business. A smart business person constantly tries to think of ways to improve business. It's amazing how they'll suddenly get on the court and stop thinking. On the changeover, they'll sit there like a cow licking a block of salt. Not a thought in their head. A smart player constantly tries to improve their chance of winning. Always thinking. Always analyzing what's happening. It can even be a good idea to have a notebook in your equipment bag that you can refer to in the beginning of and during a match. It can list your strengths, your opponent's weaknesses, your main goal against that player. Maybe a tip that you got at your tennis lesson. Things you've thought about before the match. It's important information that can easily get forgotten during the match. During the changeover, take it out of your equipment bag and review it. Adults at some of my tennis clinics have told me that they're playing tennis to relax. That's absolutely okay. I tell them when they start playing tennis to win, remember some of the things I've said. I've always found winning a lot more relaxing than losing. One of the biggest misconceptions recreational tennis players have about the game is that there's not much to it mentally. Some of the big names in tennis also felt that way. Fortunately for me. Next, play smart during your match by taking advantage of what you see. That's it for now. Thank you.